What does Ozempic do in our body mechanistically? What side effects are we seeing now and likely to see coming from this craze? How can menopause affect my client physiologically? How can I bring up the conversation around menopause? We talk about all this and much more on the upcoming episode. Welcome to Truly Fit. Welcome to the Truly Fit Podcast, where we interview experts in fitness and health to expand our wisdom and wealth. I am your host, Steve Washuda, co-founder of Truly Fit and author of Fitness Business 101. On today's episode, I speak with Amy Wilson. You can find her at The Nutrition Coach Pharmacist on Instagram. She has a link tree there with the rest of her links. She is a, exactly what it says, a nutrition coach pharmacist. She's a pharmacist by trade. And now she dabbles in the world of nutrition coaching as well as personal training. Today, we're going to talk about everything from menopause, how to deal with clients who are currently going through menopause, maybe how to have the initial conversation with clients on your health history form, and then how to proceed from there. We talk about a bunch of different medications and how they could potentially interact and what we need to be worried about with clients who are on these medications. And when we also talk about the issue we have with clients and the scale and then being so obsessed with cardio and eating less and not focus on whole foods and eating more protein and lifting heavy and the things we know that really help clients lose weight and become healthier. With no further ado, here's Amy Wilson and I. Amy, thank you so much for joining the Truly Fit Podcast. Why don't you give my listeners a little background on who you are, your credentials, and what it is that you do day-to-day in the health and fitness industry. All right. My name is Amy Wilson, and I am kind of like I'll say a triad. So I am a board-certified geriatric pharmacist, a fitness professional, and a certified nutrition coach. So my day-to-day job is twofold. I have a full-time job where I am a long-term care consultant, and I go into nursing homes. And then I am also what I consider my my side business, because I don't consider it a side hustle because it really is a business, is I am a virtual nutrition and uh, fitness coach. So that's what I do with day-to-day. Cool. A geriatric pharmacist. So is this something that you have to go out of your way to specialize in? Is it new in the industry? How exactly does that work? There are. So when you go to pharmacy school, you become a generalized pharmacist practitioner. And then there are several... I think there's about 10 of them now, certifications. So there is pediatrics, there's oncology, there is um, pharmacogenetics, there is medication therapy management, and I have a specialty in geriatrics. So it's a board-certified certification. You have to take a test, have to stay up on your uh, CE, just like everything. I think everybody wants your CE. And so, uh, yeah, so, you know, you, you, there's all, there's, there's not too many of us in the field because geriatrics is a smaller field, but you will find pharmacists in every walks of life doing different things than just your normal corner store. There's a lot of us in other other modalities. It's interesting. Never knew that, but it makes perfect sense. You have to think that with the amount of uh, drugs and interactions and things of that nature, it would be smart to hyper-specialize in one particular area so that you can help that population more. You can't expect one pharmacist to know every single uh, set of drugs for all demographics and populations. Correct. And, and as if you're pediatrics compared to if you're just normal, I would say, you know, your 20s compared to... I hate saying geriatrics is 55, but it is. Then it's like, no, it's not. (laughs) Um, So as you get older, your body metabolizes things differently. Your liver acts differently. And so there are different 
ways that we all know this like hey there's a dose for men there's a dose for fe- for um for females there's a dose for kids there's a dose for adults so it's one of those reasons why it's so important to and i would say talk to your pharmacist because if you're on medication i am actually a med and we can get into this in a little bit i am a pharmacist who would prefer that you're not on medication that you are using natural um, whole foods that you're using fitness to prevent disease states that are being treated not cured with medication yeah well i i second that i'm sure we'll get into that but uh you have a lot of specialties, right? You have your toes dipped into a lot of the water uh, concerning health and fitness. Today, we'll try to touch on all of them, but I want to start with menopause. Uh, a lot mm-hmm. of women over the age of 40 work out with personal trainers. If I were to say, if I were to go to a gym right now and look at 100 different people who are personal training, it would not surprise me if 40% of them were women <laughs> over 40 who yeah. are working out with personal trainers. But as a personal trainer, I can tell you, I have every certification under the sun. None of them focus specifically on menopause. None of them, I was talking about the baseline certifications teach you anything or even hint at it. Mm-hmm. So uh, so let's give, give us the 411 on menopause signs and symptoms and, and why it uh, can play a role in like designing a program for someone. So, and it's, you would think that, especially now, and I'm Gen X, so the amount of menopausal women that are in the fitness as, as clients, you would think that there would be so much more information. There are little niches that you'll see here and there. You'll see them on YouTube, you'll see them on TikTok, but no one really addresses what's going on. So if you are a personal trainer, and first of all, kudos if they're seeing a personal trainer. Awesome. Because what most women will do is they'll go for the cardio machines and we'll talk about why that's not a really good idea in menopause. So what menopause is, the the true definition of menopause is going without a period or menses for one year. Okay, great. But what does that mean? Menopause or perimenopause, which is before menopause, can really start in our 30s, 35, 36, 37. And that's when hormones start to change. And actually hormones change all through our lives, but this is when hormones start to decrease. And in females, it's estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. The way they do and the way they decrease is different in every single person. So once again, what personal trainers have to realize, it has to be person-centric. What I do might be different than what the lady three doors down does. And it depends upon our genetics, it depends on how we respond, it depends on what's going on in our life and stressors. So always think about, well, this one worked for this menopausal lady, so it should work here. Not necessarily. I'm gonna give you some guidelines that will help, but, but remember, we're all different. So when estrogen starts to decrease, and what you'll see in older women, especially those who are cardio bunnies, is that they might start getting what's called the menopot or the menopause belly. So getting more belly fat and estrogen likes to stay in the fat cells and it will go towards the belly fat. So they might have a harder time losing the muffin top. The problem is, is that a lot of times women, we've set ourselves up for this and to have more difficult in menopause from everything that we did back in the day and what we still do by under eating and overworking out. And another hormone that we don't talk about much being a problem in menopause is cortisol. Our cortisol levels also increase, which affects our blood glucose, which affects how we're burning fat, which affects how we're sleeping. And with menopause, a lot of the symptoms can be directly related to increased stress, increased cortisol. So what are the symptoms? Belly fat, which we already talked about, 
hot flashes. And to explain a hot flash to someone who's never had one, it's not like, like today it's ungodly hot outside. You walk outside, it's hot. Your whole entire body feels hot. For a hot flash, usually what happens, it it comes from the neck and goes up and it almost feels like an internal flame. And it's not your normal heat. It's not your normal feeling like an air air dryer or something blowing on your face. It is like an internal flame that you just feel like you're hot. And some people will become very sweaty. Some people won't. And some people only get it at night. And that's where we hear about the night sweats. And they will wake up and totally drench. The problem with night sweats and hot flashes during night is now we're talking about not getting sleep. And not getting sleep increases cortisol, which increases blood glucose, which can increase body fat. So it's all these kind of like this cyclic kind of pot that is just all these things are happening to everybody at once. And of course they get angry and, and it's frustrating. And what we didn't realize is that while we were dieting in our younger age and we were burning muscle for fuel, because we didn't think that we thought that we were losing weight to get into our genes. And we thought we were losing body fat, which we weren't. We've actually set ourselves up to having worse menopausal symptoms because the more muscle that we have, the better. And as a trainer, that's some things you have to look at. Hit training a couple days a week. Uh, if someone's doing Orange Theory every single day, that puts more stressors on their body that actually hurts them to lose body fat instead of use body fat. It will actually cause them to use muscle, which is what we don't want. So a good lifting program, and it's going to be hard, especially as, as personal trainers, you probably know the client that's like, but I got to do the Stairmaster every day for an for an hour. I got to go run three miles every day. And it's hard to get them out of that cardio mentality and to have them understand that, you know what, cardio is not the answer. If it was working, you wouldn't be seeing me. And figuring out what is going to work for them because muscle is going to change the shape of their body. Muscle is going to help them feel better. And then also... We, the big, big thing is getting rid of ultra processed foods and start eating real foods, getting their protein in, getting their carbs, getting their fat in, not doing keto because their thyroid, which also goes wonky in our, in our 40s and 50s, needs carbs to function. So it's kind of a whole triad of things that you have to be looking at when, when you're getting these menopausal or perimenopausal clients. Before we get back into the science and we talk more about the lifting and the eating, I want to take a step back here from a a harder question, more of like a cultural question here. I think it's a difficult topic to broach. When I sit down with a client, I have a health history form, right? Mm -hmm. So we talk about all the medications that they're on. And if I don't know any, I research or I go talk to a physician or I go talk to someone who might know. If there's an injury that I don't know about, I I talk to someone who does know about that injury, right? I need to have a good, well-rounded understanding and scope of all their former injuries, all the medications they're on, all of that stuff, which is important. But I personally have never brought up menopause with my clients. I think it's a tough thing to bring up. I don't want to say it's unapproachable, but it's certainly taboo. If you were working with a client who is in menopause and you were, let's say, a male or you were younger, how exactly would you approach that? So, and you know, and that's, it's a good point. It's a very good question because as a female, I can say, oh, menopause, right? And you, and a guy, you're like menopause, right? And they might say, how dare you, right? And and it's, it's exactly. So I guess I would come from it as a practitioner point. Do you think menopause is contributing to anything that you're doing right now? Do you think that's why you're having a hard time losing weight? 
when did you start seeing these symptoms? And it come from it as not a yes, you know, we always talk about open-ended questions, right? Not doing yeah. a yes, no, but coming through it as a practitioner, you have your form, you could put that in your form as a, are you going through menopause or perimenopause? Do you think this is contributing to the issues that you have come to see me? And that opens up the door. And if they feel comfortable, and most women, if, if, if they're looking at a trainer and they picked a trainer, you know you're going to be their psychotherapist too. So it's just, it's just the nature of the biz. And that's going to open up the door to talk about these things and to talk about maybe things that they did in their past. And it's like, okay, so tell me, were you a car, you know, I don't say cardio bunny, but were you someone who did cardio every day? What kind of dieting did you do in, in the past? And then we can start to educate on why those things that we did back in the day just don't work for us in this stage of our life. Yeah, I think that was a great answer because if you have it in there in the first place and they answered yes to it, I am currently mm -hmm. going through a menopause, I might be going through it soon, I'm in perimenopause, I'm not sure, then yeah. you can sort of use the Socratic method and just keep asking questions. Why do you think you're in it? Have you been uh, formally mm -hmm. diagnosed with being in menopause? What, what have you seen that's different going on with your body and, and so on and so forth so that you open up the conversation from, like you said, a more practitioner standpoint, not a, it doesn't need to be taboo, doesn't need to be taboo at that point. No, because it does affect our bodies. And that's probably the number one reason that they're seeing a personal trainer or somebody in the first place. They're just not saying that in those terms. It's, I've gained weight or nothing's working anymore, or I have this gut that I can't get rid of. Well, those are all menopausal symptoms. And so when we can put, hey, this is menopause, this is part of life, but it doesn't have to be this way. And we can do X, Y, Z to start moving the needle forward in the, where, in the direction that you want. And when you can kind of quantify that and say, hey, this is what's going on. One, they feel like, oh, you're, you're amazing. You're a magician. You know, you can read my mind. And that they also know that you're on their team to help them get to where they want to go. You already mentioned the excess cardio ends up working against you, not for you. That's for most people, but certainly people who are going through menopause. But do you think it's more of a psychological barrier? So let me explain that when you do, like you get this runner's high, the serotonin from doing these workouts, cortisol levels, things of this nature, and that is really why they stick with it, not because they don't otherwise know better. Um, I think it's both. And I'm going to, you know, I'll throw myself under the bus on this one. I am a diagnosed exercise addict. When I was 29, I blew my... L5S1 and had back surgery. And it was from being addicted to exercise. I don't think it was a, yeah, the high was amazing. I was addicted to the endorphins, but it was also was trying to out-train a bad diet at that time and thinking that that was what's going to keep me skinny. And I think we've been misinformed so much in the media, so much in, we go to the doctor's office. Oh, you want to lose five pounds? Okay. You need to work out more, eat less. And that still is in everything that we do. And even though we know better, we know better, not everybody else knows better and it's still out there. So the first thing that people do is like, Oh, my jeans don't fit. I must need to run an extra mile. I need to add, you know, Sunday's my day off. Nope. Now I got to go. Now I have to add that mile in on, on Sunday because you need to work out more, eat less. And I think that's the problem. And yeah, there is that high, but I think there's also not the knowledge to know what's going on. And I think we do a disservice by not 
informing and educating our clients as to why this doesn't work and talking about hormones because when I start having that conversation with my clients, they're like, ding, 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 ding. Oh my gosh. Okay. Everything I tell, tell them, it's like, this is why excess cardio hasn't been working for years and this is why your body hurts and this is why you have brain fog and this is why you're waking up in the middle of the night. And it's all of a sudden it's like, oh, I didn't realize. All I thought was I needed to work out more so I fit in my jeans. Yeah, I think part of the problem is that most people fail when they go on these uh, diet regimens or workout regimens. Mm-hmm. So they're attributing the lack of production, for lack of a better term, to them just failing. Like, I just I need to just keep with it. I need, I only did it for two months, and I got to do it for three months. Three months. I only did it for three months, and I got to do it for four months. But it's like, no, 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 your plan was wrong in the first place. It's not mm-hmm. that you're not invested in your plan properly. It's just that you're, you're going too hard on the cardio. You're cutting calories too much. Your body is basically saying, you're starving me. We're yeah. not going to lose any more fat. Uh, and I've had to convince my clients, especially women, even more than men, to say, hey, we actually have to up the protein intake. We have to start lifting heavier. I know this sounds counterintuitive, but just stick with me for six weeks. Do this with for, for me for six weeks. If you don't think it's working, then we can try something else. And, and lo and behold, it always works. Well, and because everything that we've been told is that you eat more, you're going to gain weight. You don't move, you're going to gain weight. Everything we've been told, and we believe that. And I always tell my clients, if it was working, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't. And so... Trust the, I trust the process. Trust me for six weeks. And same thing. They're always amazed. They, do they freak out? Oh my gosh, do they freak out when they see how much they have to eat? They're, they're like, I'm going to gain weight. I'm going to gain weight. I'm like, but how is starving working for you right now? Is it working? No. Okay. So try it my way and see what happens. But we're still in that, we, we have that fight within our brain and what those voices in our head are telling us is that I eat, I get fat. And that's from childhood that's from our teenage years and it's a lot of unpacking it's a lot of undoing it's a lot of uh relearning things that we thought were right that are actually wrong but it's also in the science too so even in yeah. books you'll see law of thermodynamics right it tells you well no calories in calories out it's as simple as that it's like Mm-mm. no nothing is simple in nutrition that that's it's not it's more than that a, a thousand calories of broccoli and steak is not a thousand calories of cake like it's not just calories in calories out our bodies don't do the law of thermodynamics and I don't, I don't understand why we think it does. Our body is one big chemical reaction. It has nothing to do with calories in, calories out. It has everything to do with what we're fueling our body so that those chemical reactions can work. We fill it with Snickers bars. Those chemical reactions don't work. We fill it with Snickers bars. Our gut microbiome is crap. And now that we know that our gut microbiome, which is now called our second brain, has so much to do with how we process foods and our hormones. And if we don't fuel it with the proper nutrition, the protein, the fat, the carbs, the micronutrients, those chemical reactions cannot happen. So our hormones are not optimized. Our neurotransmitters are not optimized. We will age faster. And it's not, it's, it has nothing to do with calories. It just drives me nuts. <laughs> Sorry, soapbox. <laughs> no, I, I completely understand. And uh, you know, speaking on that, people in the diet world are always trying to get a leg up. They're always trying to cheat the system, if you will. Uh, Ozempic is all the rage now in the news. There are mm. people taking it who shouldn't be taking it. And maybe you think that nobody should be taking it. Can you explain what's going on both from a trending perspective, why it is everywhere, and then also from a mechanis- mechanistic perspective, what it does in our body? So Ozempic, I hate to say it, it's like, is it Staples that has the easy button? You know, it's like hit the easy button. And, yeah. and and we all want it. When I was a retail pharmacist, people would come in with the latest Dr. Oz thing that was shown that would show lose weight or the latest supplement because we don't 
want to think about it. We want something that maybe is a shake or a packet. We don't want to have to work at it. The problem is, is that we really do, and I I don't think it's a problem either. I think it's just a way that we look at things. We need to work on our nutrition. That's where it comes from. Ozempic was originally for type 2 diabetes to help with glucose control. The side effect was a 10 to 15% in weight loss. Well, physicians have never really had anything that they can do if somebody comes in and says, or they want somebody to lose weight. They'll say, oh, I know physicians who say go low carb or work out more, eat less. They've never had something they can say, here, it's a prescription, here you go. Now they do. But the problem is, is the way Ozempic works. So Ozempic works by increasing secretion of insulin, by decreasing the amount of glucagon that goes in the system, and by slowing down gastric motility. And that's what you're going to hear the most from clients or people who want to take it. It makes them feel full. It makes them feel like they're not hungry. So they're going to lose weight. The problem with that, and we're already seeing it, I was I was saying, you know, five years, we're going to start seeing issues. I didn't think we we're going to start seeing issues in five months, and we're already seeing it, is the decrease or the total stop in gastric motility. And that means you're not going to the bathroom. That means food's not moving. And if you think about something like colon cancer that is caused by lack of fiber, ultra processed foods, foods just sitting in the colon and not moving. I mean, we get rid of toxins three ways. We either sweat it out, we pee it out, we poop it out. Three ways. And that's just the way it is. If you have that stuff that's just sitting there and it's getting absorbed, the toxins are, your body's not able to get rid of it, that's not a good thing. If you have total what's called gastroparesis, where your, where your GI motility, gastric motility stops, that can be a lifelong occurrence that you will have stomach and, and gastric issues for the rest of your life because you wanted to lose 5, 15, 20 pounds. That is, to me, that that is you know, weigh your pros and cons. And this might be controversial, but when the COVID vaccine came out, people were like, oh, I don't want to put that in my body. I don't know what's in that. I can't do that. You know, we don't know what's going to happen in the years, but we have a, for lack of a better term, vaccine that will help you lose weight. And it's, sign me up. Where can I get this? How can I get this? How much does it cost? I don't care. You know, if, and if personal trainers are and trainers are like, like, well, man, you won't spend $199 for me, but you're going to spend thousands of dollars on this medication. And 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 I get it. It's the easy button. It's it's wanting to be thin, but thin does not equal healthy. And that's what we have to have to get rid of is thinking that just because you're skinny, just because you are this thin or you're getting into these genes doesn't mean it's it does not mean it's healthy. Yeah. And I would even add to that vanity doesn't mean you're healthy in general. Mm-hmm. Doesn't, you, you could you could have six percent body fat and still be unhealthy. Right. So yeah. health, health is in our labs, not in our abs. That's what I say. I don't even yeah. work with clients who won't send me their labs. And I can do that because I, I own my own business. And if they say no, then I, I say, see you later. Go go to another trainer. I need to know what's going on in your body, Mm -hmm. not just how you look. But I think, you know, another problem here is that people will, 
uh, especially the general population, only looks at the scale. So that as personal trainers, we have a lot more measurements to do. Not only mm -hmm. did I just talk about labs, but I have measurements. I measure my, measure my clients, uh, everything, hips, waist, arms, all, all these different measurements so that yeah. we can look at, okay, what, what else are we building? What else are we doing to look at measurements? And I think that's important for the general population to understand. The, the scale weight doesn't say everything, or sometimes it doesn't say anything. Anything. Um, the scale weight tells how much gravity you pull down onto earth. That's all it does. And I tell people, unless you have congestive heart failure, you should not be on a scale. And congestive heart failure, we're looking at how much fluid you're gaining. So I tell my, tell my clients, if you're losing weight really fast, that's not a good thing. That means you are losing muscle and that you are losing muscle and you are keeping fat. Because I'll have people who lost 30 some inches and then they're mad at me because they didn't lose an it, they didn't lose a pound. I'm like, that's amazing. That means you lost body fat, that you increased lean muscle tissue. I said, that's great. Don't get off that number on the scale. And as females, that's hard. We have an emotional attachment to the scale. And sometimes, sometimes men do, sometimes don't. I've had both clients that have, are, are both. But females definitely have a number they want. They have an emotional attachment. They think that's going to open up the doors and it's going to be rainbows and unicorns and Hello Kitty and my job's going to be amazing. My marriage is going to be amazing. But that number does not equal happiness. It really doesn't. And I wish we could totally get off the scale. I have my clients take pictures every week or every two weeks because when they start seeing them from a different perspective, because we see ourselves every day, we don't see the changes. But when you can start looking at changes over time in a picture, it's it's amazing of what they will see is like, oh my gosh, look at this. I'm like, yeah, and who cares about the scale, right? Because that's the whole idea was that you wanted to look better. You wanted to feel better. The scale does not measure that. I will say much like an addiction though, I have some clients I've been working with for over 10 years and they still mm, haven't got over it. I've still yeah. I've taught them and they understand. I have to remind them, hey, listen, how do you feel? How do your clothes fit? Great, my clothes fit great. I've never felt better. Okay, well, what's wrong? Well, my, the scale's two pounds heavier, but they, it's still ingrained in their head. And I don't know if they'll ever get over it, but yeah. I have to just continue to remind them and it's just a part of who they are. Yeah, it's, it's, it's trying to understand that that scale just means absolutely nothing. And the bad part is when you go to the doctor's office, of course, they, they weigh you. And I know, I know females who don't go to the doctor's office because they don't want to be weighed. And that's something that's, that's not good. And we just need to get away from thinking the scale equals health because the scale is just a number. It's another tool that we use, but it doesn't define you. This is a random thought, but uh, in the bodybuilding world, it's actually sort of the inverse. So they brag about how much they do they, weigh. Yeah. So there's these, there's these big viral videos that go around where guys will come up to them like in the middle of like autograph signings and be like, step on the scale. You said you weigh 290. And they, they're like, oh, well, you know, I haven't been eating and they weigh 270 and they're like embarrassed. It's, yeah. it's such, it's so funny how the scale is in all, basically all, all of the, I would say, negative vanity parts of health and fitness on both ends, literally on that, the heavy end and the light end, the scale plays a, a negative role. That's so right. I mean, that, that is, is, that is a totally different kind of, you're thinking about it. It's like, oh my gosh, they're, they're saying, oh, I'm 20 pounds lighter. How could I be? How could I be? And a female's like, oh my gosh, I'm 20 pounds lighter. And they're so excited or 20 pounds heavier and they feel defeated. And it, it is that we have, we have to get rid of the emotional attachment to that, to that number, to that scale. Being somebody who works both with uh, medications, like as a pharmacist and somebody mm -hmm. who works more in now just the, the health field, how does that either help you? How does that hurt you? Do clients say, oh, this is great. You know the intricacies of what's going on in my body or do they think that you're gonna be uh, prescribing the medications? No, actually it's, the, it's, it's 
it's really helpful. So um, I, I go by the nutrition coach pharmacist. I, just like you, I want labs. I want to see what's going on. I want to see the labs that they have because those are great markers. The other thing is, if somebody's on levothyroxine, um, a thyroid medication, somebody's on um, a blood pressure medication, whether it be a beta blocker or an ACE inhibitor, they work differently. Um, if somebody is prediabetes or diabetic. So what the beautiful part of it, or if they're even on their antidepressants or anti-anxiety medication, I know what they need to look out for as they're getting healthier. So if you are a trainer and that is not something that you ask if they're on medications, you absolutely must. Because what's going to happen is if somebody has chronic inflammation, if they are on cholesterol medication, high blood pressure medication, diabetes, they will have side effects from getting healthy. And they may not realize that their medications need to be adjusted. Now, do I adjust their medication? Absolutely not. I'm working with their physician. Like I just had a client in um, her second week, her blood pressure bottomed. And she wasn't feeling good. I'm like, okay, I need you to start taking your blood pressure every single morning. And she did. And I'm like, I need you to send those to your physician and see what they want to do. They actually took her off her, her blood pressure medication. But that is... I've had people who've been decreased. I've had people who've gone off. Same thing with diabetes medication. As someone's losing the chronic inflammation, as someone is stabilizing their blood sugar, they may get dizzy. They may have headaches. Um, they may feel nauseated. And what we don't want is them to self-manage. It's definitely working with their doctor. And we also don't want to say, oh, well, you know, it might be the flu. Oh, it might be something that you ate. And understand that there are things as we get healthy when you are over- it's almost like an over-medication because they don't need that much anymore. Their body's starting to respond to food. Their body's starting to respond to uh, getting muscle. Um, as you get muscle, you get more insulin receptors, so your blood glucose is going to go down. There's all these things that are happening in a good way, but we also don't want them to think that it's... I, I just don't feel good when I work out. Well, there's a, there could be a good reason, and it may just be that it's just a matter of decreasing their medication. So being a pharmacist has definitely helped me know disease states, especially I'm a long-term care pharmacist, seeing younger and younger and younger people coming in as patients and seeing what ultra-processed foods does, seeing an increase in stroking younger residents, um, I hate saying residents, but patients, residents, um, seeing increased type 2 diabetes and diabetes and seeing what a poor nutrition, poor fitness does not in your 80s and 90s, but in your 40s, 50s, and 60s. And we can prevent that. And as trainers, as nutrition coaches, we have a huge, I would say responsibility, but it is a responsibility to help this nation to quit using supplements that are dangerous, quit using medication that you don't need to use to have the easy way, but to educate and to really get out there that it is possible to get where you want to go by working out smart, by eating healthy, by doing the things that you never thought that you should. And, and being, being, you can be amazing. You can age backwards by doing all of this. So, yeah. Where I do think you have an advantage, well said, by the way, where I do think you have an advantage, though, credentials-wise, is let's say I have a client, they are on metformin. Type, type 2 diabetes, and they have transformed their life. They're working out four days a week. We've changed their diet. They're eating whole foods. They're working out, yada, yada, yada. 
Now, the doctor is going to assume it's the metformin that, it, that is taking the, the A1C levels down. I know that it's their lifestyle changes, so I can't fight them to get off this medication that is having potential side effects mm -hmm. where you might be able to say something to the doctor or the patient to get them off. Well, and I can also say, hey, their A1C is 4.9. Seriously. You know, there's... The, there's also the thing called hypoglycemia. And, you know, I actually can call, talk to the doctor, say, hey, they're doing X, Y, Z. Let's take them off. And in 90 days, let's check and see where the A1C is. Are we staying below 5.5? If we are, great. They don't need to be on this medication. It's the same thing as somebody's on blood pressure medication. Because the problem is, is they're not usually on one medication. More than likely, they're going to be on three or four medications for something. Yeah. And so if we can start getting rid of that, and if they are having, you know, their blood pressure is not getting between 120 over 80 consistently and actually getting lower, then we can, then I can go to the physician. What I do is I have, send them all their readings and like, okay, what can we do? And usually they're pretty happy. They're like, I don't know what you're doing, but keep doing it. And it's like, well, you know, diet nutrition does a lot. Uh, another question that just popped in my head. So I'm, I'm looking at a health history form and I see a client, like you said, typically I, my clients are either on zero medications or they're on a zillion. Zero. That's just mm -hmm. how it works, right? Yeah. So let's go ahead and say it's the latter. They're on a zillion medications. What, what do you advise a personal trainer to do? Should I go onto the internet, go on to somewhere and look up what all these medications do? I obviously I can't see all, how they all interact, but should I have an idea and write them all down so that I, I feel more comfortable? I would. So first of all, um, classify them all. What are they? So more than likely you're going to see high blood pressure, hypertension. You might see high cholesterol and you'll see diabetes. You might see asthma or something like that, but more than likely it's going to be those big three. Classify them and then also look at what are some of the side effects? Because some high blood pressure pills, you have to be very careful, especially if they're diuretics, that they do cardio, they could get overheated. They're, most people aren't on that medication, but actually there are some younger women, it's called spironolactone, who will be on it for PCOS, who will be on it for acne. And their doctor probably told them at one time, hey, make sure you don't get overheated, and they probably totally forgot. So look up those medications and then look up common side effects and what you want to look for. But know that if they're getting better, that if a big, a big thing, for especially for someone with, with blood pressure medication, as they lose the inflammation, as they get in shape, as they are eating better and they start lowering their blood pressure, they will get what's called orthostatic hypotension. And that is... Standing up quickly, and we've all done it before, and all of a sudden your tunnel vision, you feel like you're going to pass out. As a trainer, especially with lifting weights, that can happen quite a bit, and it may happen several times in a session. That is a key indicator right there that they're going to need to talk to their doctor about their medication and that they should be checking their blood pressure every morning to see what it is. Um, same with diabetes, and if they're if you're if they're feeling nauseous during a training, if um, they start having really bad headaches, or they're you know maybe even feeling dizzy, it might be that their blood sugar is going way too low because now we're balancing their blood sugar. Now we're not having those spikes. Their insulin's working better. Their their resistance is their insulin sensitivity is up. Their resistance is down, and once again, that might be something that they have to decrease. What if a client, I'm asking you some tough questions here. Yeah. What if a client is on something uh, that has appetite suppression, like New Vigil, Pro Vigil, ADHD medication? Uh, How do you work with them? I love these questions. Thank you. 
These are, <laughs> these are great. Keep throwing them. Um, so yeah, so there are medications that do cause appetite suppressive. So I, I, I train um, and teach macros, macronutrients and, tr- and macro tracking. What we do is also look at what's the reason somebody's on this? Because people might be on it for what's called off-label. So when you also see the medication, if it's not high blood pressure, diabetes, if they're on provigil individual, if they're on ADHD medication, what are they on it for? Are they on it for narcolepsy? Are they on it for ADHD? Maybe they're on it for refractory depression. There's other things that they could be on it for, be on. And then also education is like, okay, let's go for macro, macro dense foods that will give them more bang for their buck. And it might be, hey, you know, we need some carbohydrates here. So instead of just a, a salad, we're going to give you some oatmeal and some bananas and things that will, will get um, some of your carbohydrates up. So it's, and once again, it's working with that person. And if that person is never hungry, there might need to be a dose decrease. There might be, when was the last time they saw their physician? And I hate to say it, a lot of physicians just throw medications and a dose out. They're not titrating. And when you are eating better, when you are lifting, when you are getting your movement in, your neurotransmitters start to work better. Your gut health gets better. And we know that gut health actually helps with anxiety, depression, ADHD. Um, Jamie Oliver is a great one who's done, I don't know how many studies in the UK, showing kids who get whole food nutrition have less behavior, have less ADHD. It's the same in adults. I see it all the time with some of my clients with with anxiolytics or anxiety medication and antidepressant medication that they're able to slowly come off of those just by eating better because ultra processed foods remember i said our body's a chemical reaction if we're feeding it junk we're getting junk you don't you don't do a ferrari and go into the gas station and put regular regular fuel in it you put optimum you put the supercharged stuff in it the same thing with our body our body is not meant to survive or thrive on processed foods on chemicals it's meant to our, our bodies are smart. There's a reason why we grow vegetables. There's a reason why we have real food because our, that's what our bodies want. They don't want the stuff that's created in a lab. They don't want the bright blue, the bright pinks, the things that look pretty. They, they, want, they want the actual stuff. And we have, we've trained our bodies not to want the actual stuff, which is what we need to retrain as trainers. Amy, this has been fantastic information. Why don't you give my audience and listeners a website, an Instagram handle, or anywhere else so they can find you? They can find all my social media stuff on amykwilson.com. That's amykwilson.com. If you guys are, have questions or you just want to talk or you're thinking about working with me, you can go with callwithamy.live and schedule a 30-minute free consult. Go ahead and schedule it. It's free. My guest today has been Amy Wilson. Amy, thank you so much for joining the Truly Fit Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on the Truly Fit Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review on your listening platform. And feel free to email us. We'd love to hear from you. Social at trulyfit.app. Thanks again.